New Photic Realm announcement. Uh, submission windows for upcoming issues. Issue 10, the theme is justice. That's hard-boiled fiction with a supernatural twist. The deadline for that will be April 1st, 2020. Issue 11, the theme is kaiju. Giant monsters terrorizing civilization. Deadline will be October 1st, 2020 for those stories. Issue 12, the theme is lycanthropy, which is, of course, self-explanatory. Um, it can be any type of animorph with a bloody twist. Uh, so I guess that's werewolves and Jesus, giant, I don't know. What do people turn into? Seals? I've just got a little seal on my desk, so I thought of that. I don't know. You have to be more imaginative than I just was. Uh, but the deadline for lycanthropy, January 1st, 2021. Good luck to everyone submitting. I wrote this thing. I hope you like it. Let's talk about it, yeah. Let's lose track. Losing the plot podcast. Losing the plot podcast. Losing the plot podcast. Talking to Leo Our guest this episode is Erin Almahiri. She's the author of the poetry and short story collection Breathe, Breathe, Out with Unnerving and sounds like some new material next year. She's an editor also with uh, Raw Dog Screaming Press. We talk about Shakespeare, werewolves and everything in between. Uh, we had a great chat and I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. How was your weekend? good all the it's cold here it's probably is it cold where you are too it's yeah cold but all the christmas stuff starting so we took the girls out for some the christmas parade and all the christmasy stuff starting up so that was kind of fun i like enjoy that stuff so that's cool and your son is uh, he's at college is it nearby no it's well it's in it's in um washington dc so that's like eight hours from us mm-hmm so we we just get to see him a couple of times. Going to going to DC is always fun. I can't believe how many times we've been in the last year, but yeah, it's a road trip for us, so I don't get to see him too often. But I won't get to see him again till Christmas. I won't get to see him. Thanksgiving's coming up, but I won't get to see him. But but he's living his life and having fun. So <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Is is this like his first year? Yes, um, he's a sophomore now, so it's his second year already. Okay. The first year went by so fast, so it's getting a little easier as time goes on for him to be away, but... <laughs> hmm. What's he studying? Well, he's studying, um, he is kind of into politics and government, but more on, like, the international affairs end of it, and then he's also really into history, so he's taking a bunch of classes in both of those and kind of deciding you know, where he wants to go, you know, with that. And, but I think he wants to get some kind of government job that I'm, you know, not supposed to speak all the, all the lingo of, apparently he doesn't want me speaking about, you know, Ooh, fancy. <laughs> international organization, but, um, yeah, he, uh, he is, yeah, planning to go into, you know, something with international affairs or, or politics or something like that. But 
he also is studying a lot of a lot of history and um which i guess can't you know obviously go along with that and then also he found a love for art and the and the classics so he's he's just been you know on the side studying in shakespeare and art and um you know he loves the things like the iliad and and, and works by homer so he's he's finding a lot to do there and a lot to study and a lot to you know go look look in the institutions and museums that are there so he's loving it <laughs> cool um anything that you've both read like together getting some book discussions on the go <laughs> we both read now he i mean i don't i don't get to read a ton just because i'm always editing or reading stuff for work and so i just read off and on and i enjoy reading thrillers and things like that when i can just for the like you know the entertainment aspect of it but he reads probably like a book a day even when he's busy because he can read really really fast he's reading all huge non-fiction tomes of presidents and important people of the world so not not often but <laughs> sometimes there'll be a history book we might we might read whenever he lets himself read fiction for fun but he doesn't often <laughs> oh that's wild yeah yeah so yeah and of course he's always reading shakespeare and i'm not a huge like i'm not a huge like shakespeare like sit down and read you know shakespeare kind of connoisseur but he he really like just enjoys actually reading it so <laughs> just like okay more the power to you <laughs> that's wild yeah um i've heard that if you read like i have a friend who tried to explain it to me like if you read hamlet i think she said like five yeah. times or so and if you learn all the words then shakespeare starts to repeat similar words in all of his plays and then it just kind of clicks and you can understand his language um yeah that's probably true yeah it's probably true because if you get some kind of rhythm or cadence to it or or whatever that's easily understandable the more you read but on first read for some people it's like oh this, what is this you know when you're tired and you just want to read for entertainment it's like okay this is not what i want to read for pleasure but he he and other people absolutely love it so mm. <laughs> okay whatever whatever works yeah, I know because like my my mom was an English teacher who loved Shakespeare, um, and like yeah. would be like laughing at Twelfth Night or whatever. And you're like, even once I sit and decode this like four hundred year old dick joke, I don't think it's yeah. going to make me laugh. Like I I can I, think of so many things I'd rather do. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Even before you left for college, you took me to Cleveland, and um, which is like the closest, biggest city to us here because we're pretty rural. But um, we went to Shakespeare in the Park, and I think it was Twelfth Night that we saw. And he was just like laughing, and I was just, I mean, I enjoyed being with him and seeing it, but I was like, what? I don't even get it. And then he, he was just laughing along with it, and I'm just, he's just loving it, which is fine. But I'm just like, you know, I like some adaptations from it, and I like Macbeth, and um things like that but just to sit down and read it no i mean that's not like a huge pleasure for me i'd probably fall asleep <laughs> well, you i mean you must have seen this like earlier but i imagine it's imagine it's really strange to have like made people who develop interest in things that you yourself don't know about oh yeah definitely mm -hmm. yeah I mean, just like with him, he's taught me so much. I mean, he has a huge, wide array of interests, including like space and space travel and all these different things. I mean, when he was 10, he was sitting, writing in notebooks, filling them with like ideas for like space, spacecraft and things for the, for NASA. But I'm just like, well, you know, you're, you're an engineer. You probably, 
used to do that with mm. your kid, but um, I, I don't know. He just teaches me so much. And then when I, well, I, and I like that, like not just him, but other people too. I mean, I like to have conversations with people and, and learn stuff. I and mean, everybody doesn't have to like the same things I do. I like to hear what other people, you know, like and why and how it affects them. I guess it just depends on everybody's circumstances and, mm. and, uh, you know, their needs at the time or something, maybe. Yeah, um, I think it's, yeah, for sure. I think also, like, it's really, it's nice when you realize that, like, you know, you don't need to learn things to impress anyone, and you don't need to learn stuff. Like, I, I used to try and seek out just the toughest thing I could find to learn, and think that that's, that would be, like, the most meaningful thing to learn, but... <laughs> then you then you could just like there's no like you, you have no personal stake in it you know it's, it has to be right. kind of you need some sort of personal motivation and enjoyment of what you're supposed to apply yourself to you know right oh hmm. yeah absolutely hmm. yeah and who knows why some things interest some people and some things don't i mean it just yeah i mean just how our brain works i guess you know but and so many different personalities in the world but me i'm just a curious person so i want to know everything or try everything i mean i'm not going to be opposed to something right away just because i think i don't like it i'll try it and then i'll decide but i seem to be different than a lot of people that way people are very like opinionated and know exactly what they like and don't like when other people like the opposite of them but i'm just more open i guess it's probably why i mean i read most every every genre of book and I like so many things that sometimes it can be overwhelming now because I want to read more and watch more and do more because I want to do everything. <laughs> I want to try everything at once. <laughs> oh, I, I, I completely relate. Um, And I agree with you. I think like um, the most meaningful life is one where you just explore all curiosities for their own sake, right? Right, exactly. And I totally see you like that person too. So that's why I think like, I'm like always like thought like highly of you in that regard, I guess, you know, I like enjoy talking to you because you always have so many interests and so many things and you're pretty much open and not just like, you know, pigeonholed or expecting everyone else to be, you know, you're not like a label type of person. So that's pretty cool. I mean, look at you, like what you do for your job and then what you do, like all of the, all the different things that you enjoy doing outside of that. It's like so well-rounded. So that's pretty cool. And that makes life exciting you know, when you can appreciate so many different avenues of life. It's so kind of you to say. Yeah, um, I don't know that, um, I don't know, I live in a country where you get so little feedback. Like, I, um, (laughs) honestly, I used to be so scared to tell people things, but when I realized, like, you'll get the exact same reaction one way or another, at first it was quite disconcerting, because then it was like, do do you care what I do at all? Um, But then it was like... (laughs) But then it was like, oh, you don't care what I do at all. Great. I'm just going to be myself all the time then, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, That's yeah. right. Yep. It's so Yeah, weird. I mean, most of my life, I guess I grew up think- worrying about what people think of me. And now I'm just kind of coming to the point where I'm just like, oh, who cares what they think? Like, what does it even matter to the whole scheme of everything? Like, you know, if I die, are they going to come to my grave and tell me all the things they hate about me? Or is it just going to be like, you know, do I just want to live a good life and enjoy my life as best as possible? You know, like who, who are these people? I don't even care anymore. Like I just do my own thing. <laughs> I know. Like what kind of a person is so concerned? I've never understood it. Like they're so concerned with what their neighbors are doing. Like if you look at, um, <laughs> I mean, you must like, you have this interest in poetry and you must have like read all different kinds of 
poems and stuff and it's like oh look at how clever somebody 200 years ago was like they didn't care maybe they did care what their neighbors thought you know but is that is that worth how fixated people are on it and of course it's only like right. only ever a reflection of their own insecurities how could it be anything else like um oh and, yeah it's fear just like all, everything people are scared of is just because they're screening oh, thrillers where people are like next door neighbors that are like you know spying on their neighbors and like you know what's this neighbor you know all the thrillers are just like my my neighbor next door <laughs> oh really that's the kind of stuff you like to read it cracks me up because I just think about people. <laughs> people are so true. People being in their house, just like worrying about what's going on behind their neighbor's curtains and getting themselves all stressed out. <laughs> 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 oh. Cracks me up. Yeah, I'm just like so not that type of person. So not into drama about what's going on down the street. <laughs> um, where you always that kind of person or were there like things in your life that 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 changed the way you thought and you progressively cared less about people and what they thought um i mean yeah when i well in one regard i've always been a type of person that not really like caring about what other people are are doing or like not really like caring about what my neighbors are doing and what my like curtains close and people not looking in at me but i've never like I no, I don't think until like I turned into my forties that I really thought that I really like would stop caring what people think. And sometimes I still go in phases where I have issues with it. Like, oh my god, people don't like me. People don't like what I do. People don't like this. People don't like that. But like, I just I guess I've just been lately coming to terms with it. And I suppose just knowing that as each decade goes along or each each thing goes along in, in life, whether it's like issues you had with like a past marriage or relationship or issues you've had with like work relationships or issues you've had with family relationships that it just doesn't matter like no matter how hard you try like some people are just not gonna like you and some people are gonna love you so I just kind of like grasp a hold of like okay do I like me do I like what you know do I you know appreciate like things in myself and just kind of like the whole like self-love thing I guess and it's like yeah you know I'm an okay person like I shouldn't be so worried about if someone likes me or not because if they don't then then that's just silly they, they can just like go on because what, what does it matter you know I mean even as far as like family or anybody goes because it's just you have one life and there's no reason to spend hours worrying about what people think so, yeah I suppose just time you know hmm yeah I mean sometimes I think more than one experience yeah I think about uh like how what would i advise other people if they wanted to get into writing or like or, or do anything that i do really my number one bit of advice would be like find somebody who loves you because first of all it's like more important than any of those other things you want to do and secondly it yeah. will make like it will make all of them way more easy if you come home at the end of the day and somebody's like hey how did it go like let's try again tomorrow like don't worry like <laughs> you've got this like because it's it's yeah, that's so you grow up in an environment where that is like 100% of the people around you. It's your family, like they care. And then you kind of wrongly assume that the world is like that. And then you go out into it and you're like, ah, oh, nobody cares about me. So like when you, to find somebody who's like at home, who is like a personal champion of yours is everything, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. You mm. have to have that support. And 
Yeah, and I mean, and I have that with Tim and the kids, and they're all really supportive of my writing and stuff. So that makes me that makes me happy. But I mean, you know, growing up, I I wouldn't say my like my parents were hugely like inspired by my writing, and of course, we weren't allowed to watch horror, and my mom still doesn't really like horror or that I write any of it. So that's just like you know, that kind of made me feel like am I doing something wrong like for a long time? But then I just figured, you know, I mean, I'm not evil, and I like dark stuff, and I like. You know, I just, I just always have. So, I mean, I guess I just go ahead and grasp who I am and understand that, like, I'm not a bad person and that it's just, you know, something that I write and that I enjoy reading. And, but, you know, I also enjoy reading history and, and like, you know, poetry and not only dark poetry. And I enjoy lots of other things too. So, I mean, I guess it's just a matter of how you look at it, but, and how you look at yourself, but you just have to stop, you know stop and you have to give yourself support too you know you can't just look at other people to give you like support but it's good to definitely have people there that that encourage you like you said so it makes a difference mm. yeah it, it it makes it easier i suppose but it, you don't go about it as if it's an essential thing right I, I i think that how i approach everything now which i think is quite healthy is i say i'm having a great time would you like to join in rather than like this Aww. Rather than like this will fail without your contribution, like who who would who would say yes to something like that, you know? Um, right, exactly. So, no, nobody likes to be held like that. To basically, a gun to their head, like making them feel bad. Yeah, but but it's not. I I, I suppose it's kind of nice when I see that other people don't have that approach because then I recognize why it's so important to think of it that way. Like, you know, I hey, I thought this was a great piece of writing, but you don't want to publish it. All right, cool. I'll. Maybe somebody else will, you know, rather than like, I, th I think when I, I think when you start, you get this idea that's like, if you don't, if you reject this, you're telling me I'm not good enough yet. You know, and it's like, right. I, it doesn't mean that it just yeah. it doesn't, you know. Right. And a lot of writers have a problem with that. I mean, even like as I watch in publishing or work in publishing and different aspects of it, and people are just so like, it's so downtrodden by rejections. And I there's just especially in like horror you know fantasy genres it's just like well there's not really a lot of space to go around for one thing and two you mm. just can't like take it to heart i mean if they get like six or seven hundred submissions and they're taking five i mean what are your odds really like why are you even like you know i don't know i just see people on social media get so downtrodden like they my work is awful i'm never gonna write again and not you know i mean it's just like whoa like just uh, if that's what you're in it for then just take a step back and reevaluate what you're doing because i mean you're just not going to get every every submission or probably most of the ones you want i mean there's just not there's just not space and maybe it's not the right fit doesn't mean it's a bad story and you know but you know i understand the creative aspect of it and like how close it is you know i mean i I write too, obviously, and if I got a rejection, I would feel bad, but I would probably take it just like you said, you know, and move on and find the next spot for it. But um, people just get too, people just get too crazy, in my opinion, about it. You know, they just they don't look at it the right way. Hmm. They're just uh, very, um, I don't know what the word is, like very defensive of their work, I suppose. But you know, just very, yeah, they just take it too much to heart, I think. But I can understand why, but at the same time, it's like you just have to have, you just have to look at the bigger picture and, you know, think about the other like 550 people that also got rejections. You know, I mean, it's like you're not the only one. So, oh yeah, um, it doesn't even. Play. 
it's that nobody's saying you're not great, but they are saying that there's like yeah, hundred other great people. So, you know, and that, yeah, that... or it just could not be a fit. I mean, your story could just not fit what they wanted. I mean, it doesn't even because the story could be amazing and it just not not fit right. You know, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. It's not just whether your story is good or or not. Hmm. I think that's just my opinion. But... No, I, th- I think that's definitely right. I th- that's another thing that comes with experience, I think, is understanding that. Like, even you, you can read before you've even submitted anything. Hey, by the way, this is a highly subjective industry. Don't take the rejections to heart and everything. You can read all of that, but um, if you're like, right. if you're the typical age when you start, I think you start like when you're young, most people do. And it's like, you hear all that stuff and you go, yeah, but I'll be the exception. Like, I'll be the one who gets published right, right away. And. Right you have to kind of you have to learn that firsthand and go oh no wait they weren't kidding like they mean this about everyone so so then so then yeah. you can't take it personally yeah. how could you take it personally you know it's um it's right. literally I mean, happening I, to I people. get obviously like kids are going to but at the same time it's like yeah i mean it, it could have nothing to do with your story at all it could be an amazing story and and not get placed because of you know having to find you know a, a, a set of people that work together like for an anthology or something and a mix of people like so yours may just not fit in or it may have been too much like a piece that somebody else you know gave and they wanted to go with that person i mean it could have nothing to do with like you can't get your validation from that i guess is what i'm trying to say hmm yeah absolutely and speaking of writing like what is what have you been writing lately Oh, my own writing? Um, not not a ton. <laughs> no, I mean a little bit over over, uh, off and on. I mean, breathe breathe came out two years ago already, and and um, since then I've been in a few anthos, and and um, I've had I've just kind of um, what well what propelled me a little bit to keep writing was um, doing the photo prompt for women in horror and doing that every month where we take that we get a photo and then we write a flash piece or a poem and that has helped me keep you know my writing going a little bit and and I wrote poetry and stuff so I have two full um poetry um, collections ready but I always write in pencil and paper so I am really old school and so they need type and they need edited and then they'll be ready to, for me to find a publisher and I have some short stories and flash fiction I'd like to put together but um, other than that, that's really all I've been writing is just like when I have moments where I just like let myself do it for a few minutes, like in the morning or or at night and um, just kind of give myself a break. But I've just been working like crazy and published on the other end. So I've just been super busy and kind of put put that on the back burner for myself. And then I, then I complain at home. I'm like, oh, I'm not getting enough writing done and I need to write more. And I worry about it so much, but I just like I get to get working and worried about that all the time and deadlines and other people's work and just get tired and then there's always things to do with the kids so I just kind of always think like you know well that's for myself and that could come to nothing so why am I wasting my time on that but I go back and forth a lot with with my own writing and my writing time and what the heck I'm doing with it most of the time Mm. (laughs) yeah it just it just depends who can set aside what I I tend to kind of my writing kind of tapers down towards Christmas and it gets dark and stuff. Yeah. I've, n- I've not really been writing that yeah. much. And and I love taking Christmas off. I take a good two weeks just to do, just to like read and recharge and everything. And then it's, it becomes yeah. fun again. You know, you reset, yeah. I find. Right. Hmm. 
Yeah, because you just get busy with life, and then it goes by before you know it. <laughs> You're like, where did all this time go? Mm. But drawing, I mean, just, you know, when I can jot poetry down, and that makes me feel good, or when I can write a, a flash or a short story, I mean, it feels good to get those done and, and everything. And um, I, I was in Seven Deadly Sins, the Apocalypse. I wrote, a, um, I guess it was a 10,000-word short story for that this year, and that was fun, and I was in another magazine where I wrote a short, a short story that I, that I enjoyed, and I, I enjoy writing the ones where I can do some research and I can kind of put some other kind of cultural or, um, um, mythological piece into it. So I get really involved in my writing when I do it, and I do research, and I, and I, you know, get my head in a good space and, and do the writing and take some time to do it. So, hmm. um, you know, I, I'd like to do more of that, but yeah, it's just a matter of like how often I can set aside the time to do it. Cause I, I will never like put my writing ahead of my kids. That's for sure. So, I mean, I figure that they're only young once and then they're getting older. So, you know, I, I I've got to be there for them as much as possible. And, and I've got to, I've got to do the work. And so I just, you know, put it aside and then I get in phases where, no, I'm reading and I'm writing and I'm going to do it. And I do it for a little while. And then I, then I get, you know, where I feel bad for like doing anything like that for myself so I just go back to work and kind of become a workaholic again but it does seem to be seasonal you're right go out and you know I suppose I'm doing that for myself too by going out and going hiking or doing the other things that we do because I enjoy that as well so I mean I'm giving up writing for hiking or stuff you know during the during the better months but hey it's life and you have to you know do whatever you enjoy in that moment that's how I look at it <laughs> yeah for sure uh, I mean the I think most people find the discipline of trying to write daily really helpful. I uh, I can settle into it for periods of a few months and then I slip out of it again and uh-huh. I don't know. But um yeah, like I say yeah. once once you get over the notion of having to be a, like a true writer in order to write, then just <laughs> do whatever. Like so you okay, so you wrote like five stories instead of 10 like yeah. <laughs> Who cares? It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it yeah. just matters, I guess, uh, what what matters to you in your life. I mean, uh, people like people ask me all the time about the writing, and I want to write more, but I guess I'm I'm, I'm okay too. You know, most of the time I'm happy. Like if I can write a little bit, and I can think about you know having more time in the future to do it. But I I definitely think I'd be not as happy if I if I wrote even if I felt the piece was accomplished, but I had to give up like something else. You know what I mean? Or Hmm. or my kids were neglected or 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 I didn't get my work done and then I had that stress. I mean, I wouldn't want to, you know, I wouldn't want to do that because I don't know. I, I guess I feel like sometimes the pieces just go to the wind. I'm like, who's reading these anyway? Like some, sometimes I get, I get upset in that way too because I'm like, what does it matter? Why I'm not going to try to carve out this time because well, what does it matter anyway? And then sometimes I'm in the, and the headspace of like, this is for me and I'm writing for me and I enjoy doing it. <laughs> this was fun. And then, you know, so it just, I'm all over the place basically is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those are the stages. Like you've named them well. Those are the ones we all go through. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, totally. I, uh, I got, a, yeah. I had a story I was really proud of that it took me, it took me two years to get it published. And finally it was a place that like doesn't pay and they made me rewrite it twice. Um, I know, like, what? I know, oh my God. <laughs> like when I learned that, I was like, all right, 
I clearly have no idea what I'm doing or like this industry is absolutely wild like I don't understand at all um but when they were giving me notes they were like no um now we've gone over it again we've changed quite a lot we don't mind like I'm not getting paid to do this like uh, we're really keen to get this published like at the very bottom line is that we think this is a good story and like they were really like reassuring me about it before I'd even seen these notes and I was like guys I was about to press delete. It, I don't care. Like, just you're gonna take it. That's fine. <laughs> um. So, I don't know. I and like, wow. it, it's a. It's like, on one level, I'm getting a story published like, after two years and asking. It's, I'm being made to rewrite it twice for a place that isn't going to pay me in the end. And then I've also got stuff shortlisted yeah. by like, the best literary magazines there are also at, at the exact same time so like yeah wow. I, it's um I, I i i'm not trying to boast about the last part i'm just trying to say like this is really subjective and strange and it's easy to beat oh, yourself yeah. up about how it's going that's all i mean really um yeah it's so very confusing because like the, i know exactly what you're talking about yeah it's kind of crazy it's like yeah, and then and then the whole like paying and non-paying thing. It's like some like some people will just refuse to like not not be paid. But sometimes I submit things that pay, to places that don't pay if it's like a cool publication because I just want the story to go somewhere and I know I have plenty more to write. You know, I mean, of course everyone wants to get paid and should get paid, but at the same time, it's like in this business and publishing, it's just like I mean, how many really are paying and are able to pay and and everything, you know? But yeah, it's a struggle, you know, and everybody has their boundaries and stuff. But I don't think they should put their boundaries on other people or, you know, tell other people are wrong for for doing this or that. But you know, and and I suppose like it depends. In your in your case, like were you happy with the changes they made, or were like completely cutting your piece up and you were like made you angry, you know, for like for all for non-payment, or were you happy still in the end? Like I guess I would I would wonder that. Like, work and I know because I work in publishing and I do stuff and I know like how much work it takes and how much sometimes we're like do stuff for free too and of our time but it just seems like people want to go to social media and just start like blasting you know Mm. everyone and everything I mean there's a right time for doing that but sometimes I think it gets a lot of hand because I feel like well yeah a lot of people are working hard too they're working hard to publish these things where you can put your work or you can be seen or people can read the genre and you know, and everything, but it's just like, you know, how, where do they expect people to come up with the money? And I don't know where they expect people to come up with, you know, that, that kind of fundage, but mm. I mean, everyone needs paid and I get that. And I'm not trying to say that, but you know, sometimes it's just cool to give back, you know, and give, give a story here, give a story there. And, you know, as long as you're happy, that's all that matters. Cause it's like, it's your work, it's your deal. And so long as you're not being completely taken advantage of, I mean, it's up to you, right? I mean, it's up to what you want to do. So, hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think I saw you posted something on Twitter recently, and you were like, "Uh, I've been on Twitter for a long time now. You guys need to lighten up and sort your stuff." <laughs> I was like, "She's gonna do it. She's gonna she's gonna shut them up." <laughs> Go, Erin. You can do it. <laughs> yeah. People get crazy. I'm just like, calm down. I'm like, why are you getting so crazy? But they don't see the big picture, I guess. They're just kind of in their own little tunnel, you know, in a way. It's like, they just, you know, well, however everyone is these days, though. They want to write about everything. And some of it's for good causes, but some of it's just like, okay, there's worse things in the world right now. You don't really need to, like, you know, start a war with this. Mm. It's just a little 
<laughs> I think it was really it was a relief for me to feel like not I guess it is kind of feel less special but kind of realize that like all conversations are not waiting for me to like join in and give my opinion that's actually like in most circumstances that would be really harmful because I'm mostly uninformed like that's what I mostly am um most like people are yeah and it's it, it's nice to also just think about other people. Like they're not just waiting for me to join their friend. Like I, I wouldn't improve all friend groups I joined. You know, <laughs> it's, it, it's yeah. I, I I don't know. So no, I I I think it's getting. I think Twitter is getting angrier. Like with each year, it's yeah. just ramping up. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I think all social media is people just uh people i don't know i think most people are just very critical type of people so they're just and they also like to join bandwagon so they like to be like okay this person said this and then they all start retweeting and sharing the same thing without even researching what they're saying and then mm. they find out that they're possibly like wrong in the end and me like i'm gonna go read three or four articles about it before i even respond if i respond at all i mean there's plenty of times i can say stuff and i just like keep it on the positive and post other stuff and not worry about it because i'm like why get involved in this why do we have to spend a whole day or two talking about this like you know i mean why are we doing this again because it's just annoying mm. <laughs> yeah uh, to me anyway no i i i i mean there's <laughs> of course they kind of um that kind of enjoyment of self-righteousness always hides behind issues that look important that's how it like gets away with people enjoying the feeling yeah. of of i don't know yeah insulting no yeah, i mean it's important to be an activist and i believe that of course but like mm. you said get angry about something that matters get angry about like climate change or like get angry about like people like you know living in third world countries or people being abused or people being like whatever you know just don't like be mad for a day over something because you saw someone else post something they were mad about and you decided that you were gonna like be mad about it too and you don't even know what exactly it is that you're mad about <laughs> so it's mm -hmm. like wasting days and days and then and then going down rabbit holes and then complaining that they don't have time to write and i'm just like well, why don't you just go write then or read or do something else why are you spending so much time complaining on social media it's oh, um, annoying yeah for sure um yeah but so tell me about uh i think we talked about it last time tell me about community so like obviously real life like contacts in ohio are enjoy being a, do you enjoy feeling like you're a part of of the community online of like horror writers of women in horror of uh, writing in general um i mean yeah like like overall pretty much i mean what we were just talking about kind of gets to me sometimes and i just want to take a break from it and wish that i didn't feel like i had to be there every day to be a part of it because of what i do i think i would enjoy it more if maybe if i was like only a writer and not like an editor working in publishing or trying to be a publicist or trying to do too many things at once. I mean, mm. I probably would enjoy it more because I feel like I have to watch what I say a lot more and like, you know, not like I have a hard time talking about myself and my work. So I feel like maybe if I was <clears throat> only a writer, like I might like have a better time or maybe, maybe more relationships. But I feel like people are, I feel like I know like, everyone but i feel like i know like not everyone but most people and uh but i feel like i i just keep kind of a, a wide range of like friends and people that i know and that i network with but some people seem to migrate into like groupings of it you know like five to ten like that they just only hang out with them and it's like 
hard to penetrate that sometimes, I think. But I think that's true of any any organization. I mean, from like high school to any business organization to any like fraternal organization, I mean, that tends to happen. So sometimes because I'm not like stuck in one group because I'm not like really that type of person overall online or in real life, like I think mm-hmm. sometimes I can feel like lonely or alone or not really like part of the group. But at the same time, I think I feel like mostly respected and like appreciated and stuff by a lot of people. And I have some like pretty close friends I've met online and that's been cool to help me like do things and like my personal life or my writing life or, or my publishing life or whatever. So, I mean, that's been really great. And um, I haven't met too many people like in real life that are, you know, that are part of that circle, but I think it's always cool to hear like when there's people like, close by to you that have similar interests but most people are usually kind of afraid to meet people in person I think but but some people do it so (laughs) I guess guess it might be okay I think I'm more shy in person than I am like online (laughs) (laughs) well Dustin if you're listening Aaron's address is uh Great. I'm going to show up and look through my window or something. <laughs> hey, that could be your next novel, though. I know. <laughs> the publisher looking through my window. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. Dear. <sighs> but yeah. How about, um? aren't there some cool conventions in Ohio? Am I right? Um. Well, I mean, there was Horror Hound and that was kind of cool when Sam Hain publishing was still in existence. And I did go there once and I, and I got to meet like some friends and stuff that I, that are my writing friends I've had for a while, like, like Jans and Parche and Brian Moreland and all of them. But that was like seven years ago already, like that I went to that. So I've known some of those people a long time, but, um, but I mean, it's kind of more like film based now and they don't really have a lot of books at Horror Hound in Ohio. And there's not really too many, conventions in Ohio and sometimes there's some signings that people do but there there's a lot of authors from Ohio so there are a lot of signings that are non-horror but I was thinking that last year there's not a ton of um like conventions or like like multi-author signings for like horror but there's so many actually so many horror writers from Ohio like Lucy A. Snyder's from Ohio Gary Brombeck and Matt Betts and I mean, that could, this could go on, but there's a, there's a lot. It would be really cool to put something together, but I just don't know if I have the time or energy yet to want to do it, but I thought about it because I thought that would be fun. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Is there some sort of connection between Ohio and horror? Well, that that's something that's always interested me too, because I feel like, I mean, I don't know if it's just because like Ohio is like, um, one of the obviously one of the oldest states in America. So this is like a lot of history here, but because there's so much history and because it's so old, like there's also like a lot of dilapidated places and rundown places, and it's the Rust Belt. So there's been a lot of economic struggles, and and when there's not that, there's pretty much like like complete darkness and fields. So half of like the year for us is like winter, and it's like no leaves on the trees, obviously, and it's like cold and it's dark. So. I think that probably like runs to it, you know, like mm-hmm. that whole kind of atmosphere. I don't know if we grow up and then we just kind of grow up with darkness and then we tend to write it or 
or what, but I have a feeling, because there's a lot of, in Pennsylvania too, there's a ton of horror writers in Pennsylvania. So, I mean, yeah, Brian Keene and, and Bob Ford and Stephanie Widovich and, and Todd Kissling and I mean, I could keep naming Pennsylvania too. So it's like the whole area of these like few states right here, just like really seeped in horror, kind of like people think about New England being, but I think here is like a huge segment of the of the population in the U.S. too. And and I could just think that because I live here, but it seems to me that I'm always like meeting someone that's an Ohio Raider, and R.L. Stein is from here, so I mean it's just kind of cool, but. Probably because of that, probably because of the depression and the darkness and all that, you know, like the... Um, is it like a small town where you live? Oh, where I live? Mm. Um, yeah, like I live, actually the small town is still like 20 minutes or half an hour either way to the next small town. I actually live like in the middle of nowhere myself, so I live very rurally. In fact, most of the people on a road are Amish, so I mean, it's very like, you know, very old order Amish, so it is very kind of like a very um backward <laughs> wow very rural yeah but i mean on the other hand it's 45 minutes to cleveland and it's like a whole new world so when you start going up that way even just a little bit it's like uh like here it's like 80 percent like republicans and white people and you go up to cleveland and that's like 80 percent you know african-american and, and muslim population so it's like really different world like in the matter of uh, minutes <laughs> so <clears throat> Is Ohio a red state? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cleveland's not. I mean, it can almost swing it blue, but it never really works out because most of the state government is our Republicans. And, you know, it's so mm. it's like very, you know, like Cincinnati and will be, will be Democratic. And like, um, you know, Jerry Springer was the governor of Cincinnati. <laughs> and, uh, Cleveland is, Cleveland is very democratic, but it's like always not enough quite to swing the rural vote. Like we'll take it. So, but the, the actually the place that I, the little segment of Ohio that I live in is like one of the most reddest parts too. So I'm not, I'm not red. So it's like very difficult sometimes to, to live in it. Oh, okay. So it mostly reveals itself in like differences of opinion. Well, that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> Do you, have, uh, <laughs> do you have interesting uh, Christmas dinner party conversations? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Oh dear. It's just, it's just, uh, and and you know, and the other parents of of the of you know other parents of your your kids' friends that they go to school with, and it's just interesting to me always how people can have like you can feel like oh, you know a person or you have, like, other common interests, but then at the same time, it's like you're completely worlds apart, even though you're living at the same place with with opinions on different different topics. And I'm just like, how does it, how does that get that way? But I guess it's just in our upbringing or what we're listening to or what we're, you know, what we're, we're not thinking for ourselves. I feel like I'm thinking for myself, but I don't know. I just feel like it's just strange how people can have such such big differences, I guess these days but hmm no go ahead uh I, I, yeah no i i try to um i try to keep i try to keep friends for, like with different opinions and stuff but there does get to yeah. a point where you go do you know what that's just e even as much as i would like to you know have some sort of initiative to 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 keep people in my life who have different opinions sometimes they hit out with stuff that's just too wild and then i'm like nah 
Sorry. I just I right. can't. Exactly. If we can't agree on that, yeah. we I can't be in the same room as you. Like that's just insane. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think you probably know what I'm talking about. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I can obviously respect other people's opinion on almost anything and respect that they can have their opinion, but it gets rough, you know, when they're very judgy. So I don't like that, you know, at all. And I mean, even though my son was born here, I think it's been like hard for him, like over time, because like he's he's a minority and he's darker skinned and stuff and you know it's like more of like okay everyone's gonna stare and wonder where you're from even though like you're from here but like when he goes to lives in dc and when we go there it's like everyone is multicultural i mean it's like a huge melting pot and everyone like you know gets along mm. even though it's like the head of like the government and all the stuff that's going on right now here but i mean you know nobody notices that somebody else's skin color is different but here they notice and i think that's just kind of you know, when are we ever going to get over that? It's like, you know, when are we going to stop doing that? But so that type of thing, I mean, I don't believe in that kind of difference of opinion. It's like, I don't want, you know, I don't believe in people thinking that, that are being scared of people that are, that are a different race or culture or religion. But of course it's very Christian based and very religious here. So, I mean, that's, that's why too, but hmm. they, you know, people, people tend to be scared of what they don't understand, of course. So, I try to be thoughtful about that, but I don't know. At the same time, I think it just makes you feel like you're different or like you're, you know, you're judged or whatever. But then you go to the city and it's like you're feel free. Like no one is even looking at you, <laughs> you know. Hmm. That's really nice. Does it, um, do those kind of themes come out in your fiction? Um, I'm thinking, I suppose like, Probably a little bit, probably, probably not, probably not too much. I mean, it, it might sometime, but I think, I think a lot of mine has still been dwelling on, you know, like men and women and abusive like angles probably still, or, or like, I, I tend to write a little bit more toward like themes of social, but like more like environmental themes or like, um, themes of you know love and acceptance and like how like how we can get to that point like like for instance one of my stories you know there was um an alien race trying to improve our race by like siphoning like things from us and filling their love tanks and making like making beings that were like fully capable of like loving instead of being like the alternative so i think i kind of i think i kind of deal with it more that in that regard hmm. in general terms in terms of like how compassionate people can be and yeah yeah hmm. um yeah. have you read anything good lately have i read anything good lately um gosh i read all kind of things and um i've been doing a lot of editing so i'm just mostly reading that stuff but i did um was reading at night i did read um I belong to this like true crime book club that started or well, I just joined, but it's on, it's on online Instagram. I think, mm -hmm. um, people who eat darkness and when that was kind of interesting to me, cause I'm like, kind of like into reading like anything that has to do with Japanese culture or Japanese, like crime or mystery or, or things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was written by a journalist and it was, it's a true crime novel. So I kind of like reading those sometimes about, about true crime and murder mysteries <laughs> that's kind of fun but it was actually really good and it's probably the longest book that i read that i've read in a while so that was good and um 
Let's see. I read, um, I mean, I read some books with some other people, like Sonora Taylor's Little Paranoia that I read. And right now I'm reading a historical um, anthology that has to do with the, the French Revolution. So I'm kind of all over the place when I'm reading. And, and But, you know, I, I like I said before, I tend to read want to read thrillers because if I am going to read, it's because I need to, like, de-stress or take my mind elsewhere. And those kind of really get my get my attention because hmm. I'm a reader that could start reading and my mind wanders and I have to reread like the same page like five times yeah <laughs> I have to really like get my attention <laughs> I mean like especially in the winter I just lose my concentration and I've been like taking breaks from short story collections I read like a 10 page story and then I'm like oof, that was <laughs> that really gave me a workout <laughs> like I'll take a break and then I'll put like a little bookmark in and start something else you know oh enough of that yeah. <laughs> I do love making short story collections though better because I can just kind of right before bed knock out a short story or something more than a novel because I'll just keep putting it down and then I'll never like be able to get fully into it to be able to like get the full effect of it and I, I probably judge the book more harshly because I keep pausing it you know yeah For a story that I like to be like yes I can finish it by the time that I after I'm done reading it I can finish it most of the time for me hmm What's happening with the Sinister Grin Press? Oh, um, I haven't actually worked for Sinister for like a year now. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, I, um, they just stopped being able to publish too much. They had other stuff going on in their life, and they just like really stopped being able to really put their full force into it. So they've maybe published a couple here and there, but they're not really doing as much anymore and i was already working for raw dogs gaming press so mm -hmm. doing like marketing and pr type stuff so um i've been working there now for a few years and i really enjoy um jennifer and john they're great and um they've had their press for 15 years and they know a lot about the business and a lot about um you know a lot about publishing and they're really ethical and good people and so that's been fun and after the whole like chazine um, issue. I thought that was just really important to know who's good and and who you know is really like doing well by their authors. And um, John decided to start these different seminars that are about ethics and publishing. And um, right now, like he's putting some out and they're free. And I think like that's pretty cool that he's that he's um, doing that because he has a lot of insight about about that. And he's going to start an all access con, which is like um, what we were talking about you and I earlier about meeting people in conventions, he's going to start a online convention where it's like, obviously like 10 times cheaper because online, but you could go online and you could, you know, be able to like meet up with different people in this kind of like online convention format for a lot of people. So, or, you know, you live overseas. So that's pretty cool. I think, cause it'll be, you know, it'll be much, much, much cheaper. And he's going to offer a lot of different seminars and people and a lot of different things you can access and, um be able to have like you can be an online vendor and so yeah i mean i love seeing people like thinking outside the box and doing doing new things in publishing that really can help you know writers and help and help people so that's pretty cool and um i like what they do because they do not just horror but fantasy and sci-fi and all and poetry and all that kind of meshed all together they're very genre bending and i love i love genre bending and my own writing and, and my reading so that's been fun Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. So you're mostly working with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then other than that, just, you know, freelancing, editing across multiple genres and um, 
doing a lot of fantasy and urban fantasy and um, even just in the nonfiction and working with a physician doing a nonfiction book that he's written on like meditation and how it heals your body. So I like to be all over the place and I'm learning new things and that makes it exciting. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy doing that. Um, I like to do a hodgepodge so that I can just never be bored. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. But do, are you still like, have you still read, edited the most werewolf novels? Probably. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And yeah, that's true. I was supposed to write a werewolf article a while back too, and I never even did that. But yeah, that's true. I probably have. That's Glenn's fault though, Glenn Wolf, because he writes a lot of werewolf novels. But yeah, I just did, um, at the beginning of the year, I just did that set of three, like urban fantasy werewolf novels even. And that was a totally different take on a werewolf genre from other stuff I had been doing. But yeah, probably. About <laughs> <laughs> the werewolf. <laughs> I don't know why I managed to remember that. <laughs> I can't remember the last time you That's so funny. talked about yeah, it. Yeah, I forgot that too. That's so true. Yeah. Seems like there hasn't been a good another good werewolf for a while though, so maybe it's time for someone to do another good werewolf book. <laughs> you can never have too I many werewolves, have... you know. <laughs> um, I just I just rewatched uh, American Werewolf in London recently. You seen that Did one? You? Yeah. That's so good. That's a good one. Yeah. That's classic. <laughs> that's cool do you do you watch a lot of horror films um it depends i watch a certain type of horror film (laughs) does that make sense Um, i'm not like i'm not like super into like visually seeing blood either in person or on the tv even though i can read it all day like i don't like the visual aspect of it It makes me crazy so i don't like a lot of slasher films or anything like that but i'm more like like um I really into folklore horror, so I'm really, I, I love The Witch, and like, I like movies like, um, well, I mean, I went to see Dr. Sleep, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I can't stop thinking about it, and I saw it two weeks ago. I loved oh. it. It was great, so I like that. I mean, The Shining is, like, silly, but I enjoyed watching it, and um, uh, I like movies like Hush and, um, I don't know, like, or shows like The Haunting of Hill House or, like, stuff like that, so I'm more, I guess I'm, I'm more on that, like, psychological horror, like, realm, or, like, um, some paranormal, but um, not necessarily, like, slasher, to say the least, so I guess Hmm. it just depends. (laughs) That's cool. I like Silence of Lambs, or anything with a serial killer, or anything like that, but, but yeah, Dr. Sleep was absolutely amazing. Everyone needs to see that, because that was so good he's a great director like Flanagan I can't wait to see what else he does what what else has he done he's phenomenal what else has he done before um, mm-hmm. he did The Haunting of Hill House on, ah and that was he, a good one uh, he directed that mm-hmm. yeah and he directed Oculus and um what else oh yeah Absentia yeah mm-hmm. um so he's pretty new still but um yeah he's he's gonna be great um, yeah yeah I actually didn't even read the Doctor Sleep book i actually didn't read it but i decided i want to go see the movie anyway and i seen the shining and Flanagan did a really nice job of like taking and like making it a sequel to kubrick's film but also like stephen king hated kubrick's film and like most people most people did so like he took mm. like the best parts of it to make it a sequel but he also took the best parts of of stephen king's book and like the whole idea of it and then he just like made it into this whole like film that wasn't really the book and it wasn't really like an actual sequel it was kind of its own thing but 
it was it was so it was so good it's probably better than the book but i haven't read the book so i can't say for certain but that's what most people said but just watching it was like was was great it was very deep and very thoughtful and it was really cool so did you watch the haunting of hill house you know like if you didn't if you didn't he did like his effect on there is so very like atmospheric and it kind of was like that so Mm. pretty cool no i love that series yeah it was clever definitely more action than the any any time stephen king starts (laughs) starts his novels though i do like him i do have some favorites by him but yeah there's sometimes they can get (laughs) (laughs) long-winded i've well i've got i got that one and i got the the institute you know despite myself because i think the last ones I picked up, I was like, I don't think I need to read another one of these again. But yeah. they're so, like, he keeps making them and they're so well promoted that I always end up with new ones anyway. <laughs> right. The cover looks so good. Yeah, I know. And I thought that too, but then the Institute actually did sound really good. And a lot of people were reading it, said it was really good. So I got it too. I haven't started it yet, but it looks really good. It sounds good. So yeah, 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 for sure. Um, So what, uh, what more do we need to know about you? You're working on a collection. Yeah, I have a couple of collections just ready to um, get typed up and like minor edits. I don't really edit my poetry too too much, besides just making sure like there's not like repetition and too many words and like things are fitting nicely. But um, and then they'll be ready. So hopefully, oh, someone will publish them and one next year. I want the next year, hopefully. And so my short story and flash fiction, I'd like to get published, and I may self-publish something i don't know it seems like people are heading towards self-publishing a lot more and it's like pretty durable and people are buying it so i might do so i just have a lot so i just want to get some stuff out there so i might consider doing that and and then i'll just like um i don't know decide where my writing is going going from there and i always kind of make some plans and as everyone does as the new year comes around make some goals and some plans and try to stick to them and Probably not, but I'll do my best. <laughs> well, it, it's better than nothing to have some sort of guidance for what you want, you know, whether or yeah, not you end up right. doing it. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, it's, for me, it's like, it's a throw up too, because I never exactly know, like, what's going to come, like, work-wise for me, one, because I'm freelance, and I never know when someone's going to pop in, hey, can you edit this novel, and can you do it in a month? That happens to me a lot. And so stuff, plans, are, you know, best laid plans, but then I get put to the wayside, because I'm like, yes, like, yes, I can do that, and this will pay this bill, this will pay this bill, and I can do that, and I'll, and I'll try to knock it out, and then I just, like, you know, I mean, it takes my time, and I don't, I can't plan for that, and also in indie publishing, even with Raw Dog, you know, they're great and everything, like, I don't always know what's coming, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sometimes they get way late, or maybe I think this is coming in the next two weeks, but then maybe, well, this happened, this happened, and so now it's, like, four weeks, so I'm like, okay, and I have to adjust my schedule, so, I mean, I really have to play a lot by ear, mm-hmm. so I think, like, just kind of like ebb and flow with whatever's whatever's coming so i never know exactly what books are coming out when so it makes it exciting and it's always something new and something different but it doesn't make for you know me to be able to plan like a exact schedule very well which is fine i'm not really a planner anyway i'm very impulsive so if i decide my head is going to write something i'll just start like jotting it down and whenever i don't like make time to write i can't like go and sit at my desk and say i'm gonna write right now because i probably would just be frozen and probably not get anything on the page yeah yeah for sure um and it's like that way you get pleasantly surprised by what you write as well because you're like oh i wasn't expecting that look at that you know <laughs> yeah. 
Rather, exactly. Yeah. It just downloads from your head and you don't even know where it came from, right? <laughs> yeah. Completely, but we'll just keep playing it by ear and seeing seeing where where publishing goes in horror too and indie horror and seeing how everything, you know, comes about and what what are the new and exciting things for next year. I guess we'll we'll see. We'll see when it comes. Yeah. Hey, we made it this far improvising, you know. I'm sure we can <laughs> just carry on improvising. Logo fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, and social media isn't real life, so you know, it's yeah. Makes the world look very angry, but it's just everyone's angry side, I think. You know. Yeah. Right. That just seemed you know, the the loudest always wins as we as we know, because we elected like the loudest person <laughs> here in America. But you know, I mean like besides that, I mean, so you just you know, and it tends to make people like sometimes people like us I think become more quiet, you know. <laughs> but uh, we need our voices heard too and we need to just keep talking to each other and putting out the good stuff and I mean it is a great community and it can be very supportive and it often is and so that's that's super cool and I'm always interested in what everybody else is writing and doing so um I love hearing about that stuff and yeah yeah so for sure doing a lot of things for next year and I can't wait to see hmm I like you I think I might self-publish a few things I've got some books just backed up that are very strange and I'm very proud of them but I know that you know even if they did get published I would have to how do I even find the audience for them I don't know but I would like to just get them out because like you it's like you edit all the time you know what good writing is um so self-publishing like it means different things in different contexts so like, I, I have stuff published sure. I know I know what it means to write well but i know also what it means to write a lot of unmarketable stuff because i do that all the time <laughs> yeah yeah is it some bizarre type stuff is it like bizarro type stuff oh well so yeah yeah it's, it's very weird stuff hmm. how about how about you That's is it cool. like um is it short stories and poetry horror based stuff um, yeah, the poetry is like just separate poetry, but then like my flash and, and my flash and my short stories are, are um, yeah, they're very psychological probably. Like I like to have the twist ending and, you know, I kind of like to write like in the thriller, psychological horror format or mm -hmm. folklore, mythological based. So that's, that's fun for me. Um, the one set of poems is like a, a whole aquatic theme of like all water based, um, of all kinds of different things water-based mythology or or shipwrecks or does anything have to do with water but i'd like to do a i'd like to do a collection like that too because i guess i'm just really into the whole nautical nautical theme but uh, if i ever have time to write a book i would probably write some kind of psychological horror thriller or something hmm yeah you mentioned the theme of water last time we talked as well so i think obviously it's yeah, very yeah important that was hmm so that one's done, yeah. So that one is that is the one I'd really like to get published, like probably before anything else. But um, mm -hmm. as far as self-publishing, I mean, I think you can self-publish, you know, especially horror short stories or horror novels, even as long as you do it well and it's edited and you have a good cover. I mean, pretty much like online anymore, people are pretty receptive. Like they don't even hardly know the difference. I mean, they're happy for you if you get a big deal or you get with the press. But sometimes I really don't think people even 
even know like if a book is self-published or not anymore. I notice that a lot, as long as it looks good, you know, and then like other people are, you know, are reading it or pre-reading it and saying it's good. I don't even think they notice it's self-published. Like a lot of like emerging indie publishers are like one person in their bedroom. And so it's like, are you the person in, (laughs) are you the person in the bedroom publishing it? Or is it, does it matter that it's another person in their bedroom publishing it? Like, is it, is there that much of a difference? (laughs) right there's really not you know anymore Mm. so you might as well do it if you have the means to do it a lot of people don't want to do it because it can be more costly but i mean a lot of people can can and they might as well just do it i mean i just edited that um the book for um um stephanie evelyn i just wrote the call called freedom house and um a novel and people not even realizing it's self-published it's a great cover and they just like they just don't even know. They don't even care who the publisher was. And everybody said that was reading it, so they liked it. So people were not even noticing whether it was published by one of the indie publishers or, or not. I mean, obviously, if you're published by, like, Tor or, like, you know, some huge publisher, people are going to notice and be like, wow, that's cool. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to make them buy it more. I think your cover and, like, if you're likable and – you know, if other people might be saying your story is good when they read it, I think that's all that's needed anymore. People are pretty like, yeah, they just want to read a good story, you know? Mm. Well, I, yeah, absolutely. I think there's ways that we have to, especially when it comes to writing and everything, like I was talking about, talking yourself out of the 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 feeling that you deserve to have your work out in the world. Um, and, and also being, you know, making up reasons to be self-conscious as well. Like uh, I talked about this filmmaking thing I was doing um and i'd filmed an actor and we also had a photographer who was taking photos of the thing um and i was really worried about the quality of the recording i'd made the actor was really worried about his performance and the photographer was really worried about his pictures and like none of us noticed what the other person was worried about (laughs) we hadn't we hadn't picked up on a single thing um so that was like a really interesting learning exercise for me though i was like people just aren't Definitely. paying that much attention to the things that you think stick out you know so. right everybody's worried too completely worried about being like you know perfect and everything you know so yeah you don't even things that you notice about yourself or that you think you notice about yourself other people aren't so yeah that's mm. great what kind of films are these anyway or are they set there oh like, nor or, well or, um the so uh, the one we did with the actor was like he'd already uh because it's like a new thing i've just been trying to accept work with like anyone who comes to us and so this like young actor he already had a monologue prepared but we can't really cool. we can't really show show it to people because it's like it's somebody else's monologue that he'd like already prepared for like yeah. his auditions and stuff um but i just filmed it like on my phone because you can like there are feature films that are filmed yeah. on phones now uh but i th- i've oh my God. To- Today I was editing one that I had somebody else film on their phone, which is like about me um, not being able to entertain myself for the weekend, which apparently is really, <laughs> it's like really true to life because it is, that's what happened this weekend as well. Um, so I'm just like, oh it's just me like wandering around Stavanger um, with nothing to do. Um, but what I really love about it is... Um, when people see you doing stuff like that, they they don't think it's silly. Like they admire the risk in it, and then they want to take part. Um, so, 
I got like a friend at work to act in it as if like I was lying to him about what an amazing weekend I had. Um, uh-huh. And next year, what I want to do is I want to do like a, an anthology film about different people in Stavanger um, because oh. they all come from so many different countries and they all have different experiences of uh, struggling, yeah. struggling to fit in here. And if they can act as themselves, which, you know, I'm going to show them me acting as myself and going, look, I just want you to do this. Um, and people right. will find it compelling because it's like, it's, it's what you know and who has better experience of being you than you do, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, that's so interesting. Yeah, so over the year, I'm going to meet with different people and write little scripts with them about their own life and then put it together in a film. That's the plan. Um, oh my God, that's great. It's, and I would totally watch something like that. I love to watch those different things like that on TV. That's so cool. And seeing how other people live and their perspectives of how they live and where they live. That's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like, um, it is a very closed culture here. So as soon as you talk to anyone and say you're interested in something like that, they, they spill their whole story at you. Um, and most people have an interesting story, you know, so I don't think I'll have a shortage of, of things to, to, to make. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's really fun. Mm. Why do so many people, different people live there for work? Uh, oil. Oil in, in Stavanger is like the, um, I think that was, it's the, I guess it's like the oil capital of Norway, I think. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, there's lots of different people. They all, like, if, if they don't work in the oil industry, then their husband or wife does. Um, right. And that's really interesting, but also it's it's like a city of engineers. It's very, like... Crazy. yeah it's like introverted and um kind of huh. kind of you know that kind of like uptight middle class right competitive yeah. dry you know like pe- so people are really right looking for something like this i think um nice. you know so like just be like chasing after you when you go out with your like camera and stuff because they'll be like yes leo's giving us something to do like they're gonna be I pr- after uh, honestly I promise you that, that yeah, it's that. No, I promise you. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely been actually worried. <laughs> I was actually worried that there would be nobody here in the city who didn't, who like had a different attitude about things. Um, right. Yeah, because early on, like the kind of people who showed up were exactly, were like the people I work with. They were like, oh, I'm an engineer. Like my interest in filmmaking is I make like YouTube tutorials for engineers on <laughs> pipes and stuff. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I can't escape this. <laughs> I, I was actually like, uh, I I was like, I don't think this can be done, but, but I just kept, <laughs> I just kept posting about it, um, and then eventually a whole group of different people have showed up. Um, yeah, they finally get the idea. Oh, I find it interesting, you know, like, like, um, like how, like how you are, like how you have a job that's probably like just very, you know, left-brained and. And you have this whole, like, I want to escape my job and I need to do all this, like, creative fun, like, outside of the job. And just interesting to me, people that can go between left brain and right brain because I'm so totally, like, only right, right brain. Mm. Like, I only, like, can think, like, on a creative level, like, in my job or, like, at, like you know, after. It's, like, all one big mesh, like, together. It's all one big, like, thing that I think is just me. I find it interesting when people, like, have, like, for instance, like Paul Tremblay being a math teacher and then he's like, you know, this creative writer or like how like how you're an engineer and like how and then you have all this like, you know, 
you have this really creative side to you. So I just find it interesting how your brain works, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, it definitely comes from my parents, I think. They were both, uh, both of them had creative ambitions, like in the same things that I'm doing. I never did anything with them. Um, so I feel kind of yeah. not obligated, but I do know that when I do these things, at the very least, I'm doing things that they themselves, I think, should have done um, and didn't. So Aww. I think that's where it comes from. Yeah. And I'm going to cry. That makes me want to cry. Oh, no. You're like doing that for them. And then that's so sweet. And that's very cool. <laughs> Oh, thank you. I, I, don't, I don't talk about it a lot because, of course, I would hate... Well, I don't get interviewed a lot, but I would hate if I did get interviewed a lot to have to point that out every time, you know? Um, but that's definitely what... Um, that's definitely what it's about. Like, uh, as you know, I almost managed to interview my dad on my podcast. Yeah, so last time we talked to you, we were just going to interview him next, and then that happened. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, oh. So I did kind of yeah. think, like, you know, I do have the right idea. Um it yeah. just didn't work out in that that time but i am having making lovely connections with people like you and having interesting conversations that i can't have in stavanger you know <laughs> so yeah. oh my gosh so, yeah. that sounds wild i just can't even imagine but but also just how your brain can flip back and forth though between like logical stuff and like creative stuff like i don't i don't know i can do that like i could switch my brain back and forth like it must like you must have like just a really like large brain. I don't know. Like how how do you like compartmentalize it? How do you like how do you make the, the switch? Like I don't know. That's always interests me how other people's brains work. Um, I'm not really sure. I'm not good at languages. Like now I'm interviewing you. <laughs> <laughs> but um no like um for like Norwegian I'm not good at it like. Spanish and French and I, that's never clicked that's been the one thing that like I don't I don't have the interest in it and so like even if I've learned it even to a good standard like I, I drop it very quickly so I, that's something that I've okay. never been good at yeah. um, I don't uh, I, I'm just somebody who like lives in my own head most of the time I think so I've I guess I've tried to <laughs> I've tried to make that as interesting a place as possible by filling it yeah. with like different ideas and stuff and right. um, so that's cool because i mean some people that like are you know work in engineering or mathematics or science i mean they're very just like focused on that and then they're almost just like still that kind of person though outside of that like they're just like very like you know serious people are very like they're like oh no like they can never be creative like they don't have no creative side whatsoever so i think it's cool when people can can you know do both opposite but mm, and, and i think it helps you with whatever you're doing like i think that i have because i have other things going on um i'm not as like i don't get as panicked about stuff that happens at work yeah because i know there's other things going on um and i yeah. don't i i think that I, I, especially in america i think it in general i think it's worse this culture of busyness or or you know yeah really right really getting panicked about stuff i don't think it helps like at the weekend i try and forget that i have a job at all you know and do something completely different <laughs> that's great yeah oh my gosh it mm. probably makes your job fun i guess if you're thinking about like what you're gonna do for the weekend or other stuff in your head that's you're like you know 
like when you don't have to be like exactly totally focused like you're probably thinking like probably makes you happy overall and like able to do your job better maybe i'm just guessing i would think so um Unless I'm just less dedicated <laughs> than the people I work with. No, that's I also. Say that. It always just makes you a happier person overall because you're doing other things you enjoy, though. You're not just stuck in like the, like you know the, that type of job and then going home and like just getting up again and going to work. Like you're doing stuff that makes you happy, so you can be a happier person overall, and then you can probably handle like your stress better. And it's also like um. It's also like not again like not identifying as one thing. Like I'm an engineer, so like when engineering goes badly, like I feel extra bad because I've put so much of my right. own like personality yeah. and, and understanding of the world in that, rather than just kind of going, right. well, you know, oh well, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, there's other. But I have this I'm doing too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Hey, it was um it was lovely talking to you. What are you doing with your afternoon? You too. Oh, well, it's Sunday and it's very cold, but probably doing a lot of laundry that's piled up and um, just trying to relax a little bit, I guess, besides that and probably go to the store. So <laughs> just like errand, errand day, you know, Sunday is like catching up on everything before that we've missed out on getting done during the week and everything. So after being out yesterday. So, yeah, kind of like mundane, but that's about it. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I think I'll watch a horror film and then I'm off to bed. So that's my yes, evening. <laughs> yeah, obviously. You're much, like, it's much later there, so... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, thanks so much for talking to me again. That was, that was fun. Yeah, of course, we'll, we'll do it again, I'm sure. So that was Aaron Almahiri. Sounds like Aaron will have some new work out in the near future, so be on the lookout for that. Um, if you are a reader, writer, editor, listener, uh, anyone who has anything they want to tell me about the show or if you want to be on the show, um, you can always get in touch with me using losingtheplotpodcast at gmail.com and I look forward to hearing from you. But that's all from me for now. So until next time, bye bye.